The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, we're at the halfway point of the 2018 college football season, so of course we're going to get everybody caught up on what's been happening, give out some superlative awards later on in the show. We're going to preview the Week 8 games and all. As always, we are going to give you the Ray Guy Award and the Davey O'Brien Award Players of the Week from Week 7. Follow along on social media. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 and I am at Drew Butler 13. And if you love the podcast, which I know everybody does, go pick up some merch. It's still online at imperialsports.com. It's good stuff. Aaron, I know you have some. I know Sharon has some. I saw mm-hmm. a bunch the other weekend at the Georgia game, and I see some around town every now and then. So go pick it up. It's on imperialsports.com under the collaborations. And, of course, punt and pass. Okay, a storyline that popped up, Aaron, heading in to week eight. One of the best players in all of college football, Ohio State star defensive end Nick Bosa. Man, he's been dealing with an injury. It looked like he was going to be out a couple of weeks, and he withdraws from school. He's done with college football. He's done with college as a whole. He's going to get healthy and prepare from for the 2019 NFL draft. Now, before you ask me what I think, I'm going to ask you a question. Is this different than the Kelly Bryant situation? Yeah, it's completely different than Kelly Bryant situation. I mean, he 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 can't play. I mean, yeah. he, he's injured. He's done for the season, so there's nothing he can do right now to better his football team. And you know, Drew, I don't think you were ever seriously hurt, but there's, there is a division when you're hurt, you're yeah. in the training room. You're not, you really don't feel a part of the football team. They're, they're in the film room, they're at practice. You're kind of just sitting there rehabbing, icing, rehabbing, icing, rehabbing. I mean, it's just a constant, same thing every single day. You really don't feel like I said, a part of the football team. So I, I don't, I don't hate this decision by him. You know, and look, and he's a competitor. He sees right now that hey, we're we're undefeated. We right now, as of right now, projected to be in the playoffs, have an opportunity to uh, to bail compete for national championships. So he he wants to be. I guarantee you, he wants to be there. This isn't like it's a scrub football team that's not having a great year. And he's like, why do I want to come back for this? For sure, we suck. They are legitimate. They have a chance. They most likely will be one of the final four. So I think this was a serious enough injury 
for him to really evaluate, is it realistic for me to come back? And if I come back, can I be effective and, and make sure that if I'm going to play, I'm going to full speed. Because if you play FS, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. It's going to happen. And then, like I said, you're not going to help your football team. So I'm sure he took that into consideration when making his decision. So it's the best for him. I, I don't mind it. Um, like I said, we don't know what the, the true extent. I'm sure he does the, the medical staff, Urban, Urban Meyer, and then his family. That's about it. But we really don't know how long this injury actually is. So I, I don't hate the decision from him. He, he's a man, and he has to make it. No, neither do I. And you can call me contradictory. Say whatever you want. But I'm all for what Nick Bose is doing here. Like you said, Aaron. He is hurt, so it's not like he's just saying, oh, I don't have my way, and I'm leaving school. He's hurt. You know he wants to play for Ohio State. They probably will be one of the Final Four teams in the college football playoff, and he's projected by some as the number one pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. That is some serious, Mm -hmm. serious change. That is some real money he's thinking about, life-changing stuff, and an opportunity for him to fulfill a dream and become that number one pick. So I'm okay with this. I am okay with Nick Bosa saying, hey, I'm injured. I cannot risk... I cannot risk my my future, and when I mean future, I'm talking about a number one overall pick in the dollar bills, baby. And at the draft, so about the Benjamins, he's so about the Benjamins. He is done with college football. He does not have any eligibility left. He is injured, and uh, I don't see this as selfish. I see this as doing. Well, I don't want to say doing what's best for him. Yeah, I hear that that a lot. What else does that sound like, Drew? (laughs) I would not say that he's doing. It sounds similar to Kelly Bryant doing doing what's best for you. I would say he had no other choice. That's what I would say. He had no other choice. Drew, you can apologize on the podcast to Kelly Bryant for (laughs) bad things you said. No right chance. now, it's fine. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I won't judge you. I promise. I would die on that hill. Bosa was certainly a valuable guy for Ohio State. And speaking of most valuable, let's give out some midseason superlatives. We're heading into week eight. We've got seven weeks under our belt. The college football playoff rankings are two weeks away. Aaron, I want you to tell me right now who the most valuable player in college football is through seven weeks. I can't wait to hear yours. I kind of know, so I'm kind of excited for you to say it again. I had to go Justin Herbert for Oregon right now, a team – that they should have won versus Stanford. I think this team is still – people are looking at them saying if they go undefeated, and I know a lot of people have said, okay, the Pac-12 is no longer going to have anyone represent them in the playoff. I said, you know, bull crap to that. I think this Oregon team is really good, and I think it starts with him. I mean he's a Heisman guy. He's a, a top five pick in the draft decides to come out. And I think he's the reason, the energy he brings, his dynamic as a thrower and, a, and, and as a runner – so I got to go with him right now. This Oregon team would not be where they are without him. Uh, so he is currently my most valuable player midseason. Absolutely. I like that pick. You've been high on Justin Herbert all season long. If they would have beaten Stanford, he would pretty much be, I think, one or two clear-cut runner for the Heisman Trophy. You're talking about Tua and probably him. But when I'm thinking of value, and that's my dog Cody making a cameo, when I'm talking about value, Aaron, the most valuable player to me through seven weeks of this season has been Joe Burrow, the quarterback at LSU. Look at all the talent LSU has on their team. Look at all the talent that they always have on their team. But what do they usually miss the most? And that is... A quarterback who can, and I hate saying this, manage 
the football game. Get first downs. Don't turn the ball over. Get your guys in the right positions pre-snap. Set your players and your playmakers up for success. Joe Burrow has done that in spades. They have had some of the most impressive victories all season long, and I'm not just saying that because they just smoked Georgia last week. I am just very impressed by what Joe Burrow has brought value-wise to LSU, and we all know that he's really going to get that true test in a couple weeks when Alabama comes rolling into town. So you go with Herbert, I go with Burrow, both QBs. That's not too surprising. Speaking of surprising, though, what's your most surprising team through seven weeks of the season? Uh, Surprising in a good way. I guess we have most disappointing teams, so most surprising in a positive way. I got to go. I think Kentucky is obviously the easy answer, but I'm going to go with Texas A&M right now. I think the way Jimbo Fisher has them playing defensively, because we know how soft they were in years past, and and they really weren't playing SEC type football. They look great right now through through midway through the season. I mean, they pretty much have only given Alabama the, the toughest task. I know it wasn't even a, a very close game, but if all the teams of Alabama, A&M has been the closest to making it somewhat of a football game. I think them offensively with Kellen Mon, what they're doing, and like I said, the big surprise is them defensively. This is a scary situation for everyone else in the SEC. With A&M, with their facilities, with a great football coach, with incredible ability to go out there and recruit. I mean, they're the number one team in the country for recruiting right now. They are going to be 2020, Mark Adalinger, 2020. Okay. A&M is going to be one of the top two teams in the SEC. Wow. 2020, Texas A&M, one of the top two teams in the SEC. Yes. All right. Well, you know what? I actually don't hate that. Jimbo Fisher, you just said it, is doing some special stuff in College Station. The entire um, mentality that he has installed there through a very short period of time has been extremely impressive. So I like that pick. I feel like that pick is a little bit against the grain. So I respect it. Most surprising team for me, you may not respect this because it's pretty uh, pretty standard. I got to go with LSU again. I mean, LSU started off with a huge neutral site victory over Miami. They went to Auburn, beat Auburn, who was a top 10 team at the time. They'd beaten three top 10 teams, Aaron, and uh, they have looked impressive doing it. Joe Burrow, my MVP of seven weeks, has taken care of it. Coach Orgeron. Ed Orgeron and offensive coordinator Steve Ensminger, they have really played extreme or coached, excuse me, extremely well through seven weeks and gotten these guys playing fantastic football. They are ranked number five, LSU Tigers are, through seven weeks, but November 3rd, Alabama rolls into town. We will see. That's certainly setting up to look like game of the year in the SEC, certainly, and possibly the nation. On the flip side of the most surprising team, the most disappointing team, Aaron, and I would say a division as a whole, the Big Ten East, just to take a shot at you and all your love you gave mm, them preseason. So nice of you. But my pick is Nebraska. They're 0-6. Scott Frost came from defending national champion Central Florida. He is the prodigal son there, obviously, a national champion quarterback for the Cornhuskers. And, man, I know they're hurting personnel-wise. They didn't have a quarterback. They had a lot of transfers, but... This is a bad look. The worst start in school history. Nebraska's 0-6 start makes them my most disappointing team through 2017. I'm also going to pick on a, uh, a new head coach. Obviously, he's he's new to this program, been a head coach for a long time in, in college and the pro, but Chip Kelly in UCLA 
you got to say that they're disappointing. Started at one and five right now, bottom of the Pac-12 with losses to Cincinnati. And I know Cincinnati is undefeated, but it's still a Cincinnati team that changed quarterbacks during that first game. A Cincinnati team that's won eight games the past two seasons, uh, and it hasn't been the, the easiest schedule. They played at Oklahoma, Fresno, who's a, a very good football team, at Colorado, who's had a very good year. Washington, um, and then they finally won a game versus Cal. But still, it's not the fact that they lost, but the way they've lost those games. I mean, they lost to Fresno 38 to 14, lost to Colorado 38 to 16. It's been a very disappointing start for UCLA. Uh, there's a handful of teams we could have put in this. I mean, you could have said Auburn, you could have said FSU, uh, even Miami, the way Miami's looked for this season. I think those are teams that are out there. But these new head coaches, they've They've definitely struggled a little bit. And both these guys that we've talked about, it's kind of funny, had opportunities to coach at Florida. Yeah. Look at Florida right now with Dan Mullen. Wow. They're looking pretty darn good right now heading into that bye week. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, It's been a crazy seven weeks to start the 2018 season, and I'm just excited to see how it finishes up, Aaron, because if you love college football, this is the best part of the season, and I know it will be just exciting down the stretch. Speaking of exciting – did you see Joseph Charlton, the punter from South Carolina this past week? If you didn't, just know that he was the Ray Guy Awards punter of the week for week seven. Joseph Charlton from South Carolina. He punted six times, Aaron, against the Texas A&M Aggies for 304 yards. That's an average of 50.7 yards per punt. The net average, which is the most important, that's the kick minus the return, was an average of 48.2 yards per punt. Three of his six kicks landed inside the 20, and five of his six kicks traveled over 50 yards with a long of 61. So, Joseph Charlton from South Carolina, congratulations, my man. You are the Ray Guy Award, punter of the week for week seven. I don't think there's anyone that can get more excited about punting than what just happened right now. <laughs> I hey mean, man, that's energy, what I'm here to bring. The that's energy you just brought to, to that award is just, it's, it, it gives me chills. It's the most important it really play does. in football. It, 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 you're, you're, you, got, you got me sold right now. I've got I'm gonna you go buy, I love I'm going to go buy a shirt that says, I love punters. Yes, punters are people too. Podcasts. Yeah, punters. Punters have feelings, too. <laughs> All right, let's get to the most important position now, the Davey O'Brien Award uh, for Week 7. A lot of great quarterback play, but Nate Stanley from Iowa, big win over Indiana, 42-13, to and he was absolutely stellar. 21 of 33, 320, six total touchdowns, and just one, le- one lonely interception. So great, great, great game by Mr. Stanley, and he is our quarterback of the week. Congratulations, my friend. Absolutely. Congratulations, Joseph Charlton, Ray Guy Award punter of the week, and Nate Stanley from Iowa, the Davey O'Brien Award quarterback of the week for week seven. If Iowa can get some consistent quarterback play, explosive quarterback play, watch out for the Hawkeyes. You know they always have a really Five good one. defensive line. Five they, and one. They have a great offensive line as well. They could make some noise in Aaron's favorite conference in football, the Big Ten. Congrats to those guys for their Week 7 performances. Looking ahead to Week 8, let's pick some games, Aaron. I did okay last week. I went 3-3. Three and three. That gets me to 19-17 and 17 against the spread. 
But Aaron, my man Aaron Murray went six and zero against the spread last week. That brings you to sixteen and twenty against the spread on the season. And Good for thing everybody, I'm about to go to Vegas soon. Hey, everybody listening, I don't know what units you bet when you do gamble on college football, but I just crunched some numbers, and this is a fact. If you put a hundred dollars on Murray's six game parlay last week you would have won nearly $5,000. So that's True. value Why brought to you. Why didn't we do you. that? I know. What Why did I text I you on Saturday night? I said, we need to start I'm not, betting. I'm not allowed to gamble. Drew. I know. You know the CBS I know. forbids me. But, so, but you can, though. Yes, you can. I can. Yes, you I can. You can take my knowledge and apply it. <laughs> Congratulations. That's awesome. All right, let's talk about the best games of the week. To start week A, I'm going to bounce around here a little bit, Aaron. I think one of the more surprising games is a matchup of two unbeaten teams. Number 16, NC State is heading to number three, Clemson. This game's at 330. It's at Clemson. Clemson is a 16.5-point favorite, and that really surprises me because, again, NC State is undefeated. I just don't think they're getting any love from the national media because they're playing in the lowly ACC. Yeah, I like NC State. I actually got the cover from a few weeks ago. And I, I, Ryan Finley, I tell you what, is a very, very good quarterback. Uh, I think a top two round, maybe top three round type guy next year in the NFL draft. Yeah, Especially when you look him. at the, the the landscape right now of, of college football and quarterbacks. It's, it, there's not a ton of elite guys that are going to be coming out next season. So he could jump into possibly a top two round, uh, like I said, in that draft. So I like him. I like their offense. They haven't really been tested so far this year. You talk about them being undefeated, but really, who have they played? I mean, no one that's really anyone that jumps out and said, wow, that's a big, impressive win right there. Uh, so we really don't know how good NC State is. Uh, like I said, offensively, I like them. I think they got a lot of talent, great quarterback, great receivers, running backs, all that good stuff. So I like Clemson. I like Clemson to cover the spread. I think their offense is going to expose them. I think NC State can make some noise because Clemson's struggles have been on teams that, that push the ball down the field vertically. Um, but I, I like Clemson. So they, they cover the spread. Was it 17 and a half? 16 and a half is what I saw it at Aaron. Six, 16 and a half. I got Clemson. All right. Murray goes with Clemson minus the 16 and a half. I, I would have to agree with you here. You know, Clemson was getting a lot of questions after that debacle versus Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is not a bad football team, but they answered those questions the week after with a 63-3 to victory. And then they had a bye week. So I don't know if the bye week is going to stop their momentum or not, but I think they take care of business here. This is really when Clemson starts to play their best football. So I will lay the 16-and-a-half as well, Aaron, and we are both on Clemson. A big game. I, see what's, in- I, see, I, I think I see what's going to happen this week. Drew's just going to let me pick first. <laughs> And then he knows I went 6-0, so he's just going to jump on the bandwagon. Well, I know know we certainly disagree on this next one. A big game in the Big Ten. Number six, Michigan travels to number 24, Michigan State. This kickoff's at noon. That means an 11 a.m. local kick. Michigan only a touchdown favorite on the road. I think it could be a perfect setup for a letdown. Michigan's coming off that big home win versus Wisconsin just a week ago. In-state rival, Aaron. Jim Harbaugh has I, listen, not performed I, I'm well I'm with you Michigan on this State, one. I, Ohio State. I like Michigan to win. I think they'll squeak it out. I think oh, it's going to wow. be a big close game. Michigan State, I keep harping on them. I mean, they're four and two. They're in the top 25. They got a great, they got a good defense. It's hard for me to say great. I mean, they should be, <laughs> they should be a lot better than what, what they've been this year. And, and same with Brian, the I mean, expectations were through the roof from him. 
after a great season last year and has just been very subpar, eight touchdowns, seven picks. But um, Michigan, it just their, their offense is not – it's not extremely explosive. It's kind of hot and cold at, at times. Their defense is great, but their offense is not that consistency that you like from a, an elite football team. So I like them to win it, but it's on the road. Like you said, Michigan State's coming off a big win last week over Penn State. They're feeling great. I think Michigan's focused on that. I don't think they're going to overlook Michigan State, but it's going to be a close game. So I got, um, like I said, I got Michigan winning, but I got Michigan State with the points. Yeah, you like the home underdog here. I like the home dog as well. Shout out to my boy Connor Hayward, Peachtree Ridge alumni, running back for Michigan State. He threw a touchdown pass last week. He's playing really well. I think Michigan State gets the outright victory here. Again, I go back to Coach Harbaugh's trials against Michigan State and Ohio State in particular. I think it is a perfect setup for a letdown. I'm sure it'll be cold. I'm sure it'll be wet. It'll be early. Michigan State pulls out the upset here. Turning attention to the SEC, Aaron. Number 22, Mississippi State. Heads to number five, LSU. LSU, a touchdown favorite. Can Joe Burrow, my MVP of the 2018 season, continue this hot streak? And same thing with Michigan. Is there any way LSU's primed for a letdown after their big win versus Georgia last week? No, it's a seven o'clock game. That place, you thought it was, you thought it was nuts versus Georgia last week at 3:30. I mean, that place is going to be electric. And I think the players understand that. Hey, let's give it our all right now. This is a big game in the SEC West. We had two weeks. Uh, of a break, a little mini vacation before we play Alabama. So we can kind of push ourselves to the limit, knowing we're going to get some extra rest. I think LSU is going to come out. I think offensively, it's not going to be a dominant performance for LSU's offense, but I think defensively, you just, I, you just got to hate what Mississippi state's put on the football field yeah. on the offensive side. Nick Fitzgerald's one dimensional. He's not a very accurate passer. So LSU, what they're going to do, they're going to put eight guys in the box. They're going to put seven guys in the box, load it, play tight man-to-man coverage on the outside, heavy inside leverage, make make Fitzgerald throw out routes, make him throw go balls, make him test his accuracy down the ball field, which he just – I don't think he can do. I think LSU believes he can't do it either. Um, and I, like I said, that place is going to be absolutely nuts. That fan base right now, you want to talk about juice – <laughs> they got a lot of juice at no the question. moment, so it's it's going to be crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, so I got LSU, and I think they're definitely covering the spread. I think this is – I'm surprised it's this – that would have been about 10 points. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Makes you wonder why Vegas set it at 6.5 is what I'm seeing. But I go back – LSU's been playing really good football. I've been more impressed with Coach O and Steve Ensminger. The coaching at LSU – has been fantastic also. I would think that you can count on those guys to put the game in Nick Fitzgerald's hands, take away the run, stack the box. LSU wins this game by a comfortable margin, lay the seven. No problem there. Quick answer here. Number one, Alabama goes to Tennessee, 3.30 p.m. If Tua plays, it looks like the line will be 29. If he doesn't, I'm sure it drops down. But he re-aggravated that knee sprain last week. What's the best case for scenario for Tennessee here? Can they can they even keep it close? They can't keep it close, but I got them. I got them covering. I think even if two plays, it's going to be even a smaller role than what we've seen. I think it may be something where he comes in just to keep the timing with his receivers, just to get that game flow going before the before they have to play LSU in a couple of weeks. Um, but I don't see him playing significant. I think you got to rest him make Jalen play. But the thing is Pruitt knows Jalen Pruitt yeah. knows Jalen hurts. 
his strengths, his weaknesses. Um, and it's at Tennessee and I think they'll sell that crowd. I think they're, the fan base is excited about that win a couple weeks ago or last week, excuse me, versus Auburn. Uh, they have a little bit of momentum right now. Alabama wins, um, but I think it's more around 20 points to 23 points, not that 29 point spread that it's at right now. All right. Awesome. I'm disagreeing with you. Bama will cover. I don't even think Tennessee will score a point against Alabama's defense with Tua or without. The one thing I'm really interested to see is if Tua doesn't play. Jeremy Pruitt was the defensive coordinator at Alabama just a year ago. He knows this personnel. He knows what to expect from an offensive play calling scenario. On Alabama's side, he might be able to make this close, but I just go back to I don't think he'll be able to have success for Tennessee's offense. So Bama covers the 29. It'll be ugly. This game will be over by the third quarter. Last game, Aaron, number 12, Oregon, your boy Justin Herbert, heading to number 25, Washington State. This is where college game day is going, I believe, for the first time ever in Pullman, Washington. And Washington State's a favorite here, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. This is a Pac-12 North battle, and if Oregon wins, they have a clear lead in the division with a big road win. I think this is going to be a fun game. I mean, you look at Washington State and, and who they've won. They beat Utah. They beat, um, which was a big win. Oregon State was a nice little win. They lost at USC, but it was a close one, 39-36. But I got to go with Oregon right now. I know Gardner Minshew's playing really well for Washington State. I covered them the first game of the season. A lot of explosive weapons. They're throwing the ball like crazy. So if you like passing uh, and you like a lot of offense, make sure you turn into this football game. But Oregon, in my mind, still should be undefeated. They should have won that game for Stanford, and they kind of know that they are the team in the Pac-12. Um, so I don't see them falling asleep. I see them going in there and having another good game. So what? Two and a half point spread right now. For yeah, Oregon? man, three. I see I, three now. Okay, I I like Oregon, so Take I'm gonna jump on it before it goes up even more. Awesome. I will disagree with you again. I, I think Washington State plays well with the great home crowd. Game days in town. You just mentioned it. They do have an explosive offense. I'm sure Oregon's going to try to be able to slow them down. I just don't see it. We saw the situational football cluster, you know what, just a couple of weeks ago at the end of the game, Oregon and Stanford. I don't know if I can trust Mario Cristobal and that Oregon coaching staff to put these guys in the best scenario to win. But if they do, and Oregon gets into the top 10 and continues to roll, watch out for Mario Cristobal, a name that could pop up for coach of the year later on this season. So I'm taking Washington State. I'll lay the points, and we disagree again. A game I want to ask you about before we wrap up. Interesting game in the SEC. Memphis travels to Missouri, and Aaron, the over-under is 74 points. What do you have there? Oh, Memphis. I mean, great run game. Offensive line's dominating up front. So look for those guys to lay heavy on the run game. And shoot, they they – could have beat UCF last week. I mean, they were rolling yeah, that first sure. half, even first three quarters, and UCF, you know, just just can't lose. I mean, just can't keep UCF down. Great comeback victory. Uh, I think Missouri wins. I think I think it's gonna be. I mean, obviously it's gonna be high scoring. I think Drew needs a big game. I God, mean, he yes, needs he to go out there. I mean, he's just he could played be most subpar this year. Player of the year. He really has. And I mean, not not in my mind, though. I think in a lot of people's mind, I think I've been harping it for the past two years that I don't think he's that good of yeah. a football player. Uh, I mean, he's good, but he's not what people are saying, a uh, potential first round pick. Uh, and he's shown it so far this season. So I like Missouri. It's at home. 
I think he has opportunity to go out there and make it, you know, have a good game, throw about three or four touchdowns. Um, but for Memphis run game, but it's like you said, Drew, this is going to be a high scoring game. So are we picking points here? What's I, the deal? You know, I won't add it to our list, but over under, I just want to know what you think. 74. That's a lot of, that's a lot of scoring. I'm taking over. He's over 74. Auburn, Ole Miss, that's over under 63. I just don't see how Auburn can score enough points. Ole Miss is going to try to run it up. Even against Ole Miss's defense, which is hilarious. I know. Don't think, I mean, my, my high school, I think, can score up against <laughs> Ole Miss right now. But Auburn, nope, you can't score against Ole Miss. Wow. Uh, yeah, they need that bye week to get here so they could figure out their identity on offense. No question. Makes you think, going back to Drew Locke, if he should have left last year and went to the draft. I don't know. That Derek Dooley OC experiment not working out too well for him in particular. All right, anything on the way out, my man? No, I mean, it's kind of a – I mean, it's a decent slate of games this weekend. Nothing super exciting. But as we saw last weekend, you never know what could happen um, with some of these big-time upsets. So it will be another fun week. But I think everyone, especially you and I, are just gearing up for that big – Cocktail party the yes, following sir. weekend, baby. Georgia, Absolutely. Florida. And you know Aaron's so. gearing up for it. He's going into the Georgia, Florida Hall of Fame. We'll talk about it all next week and get you ready for week nine. The college football playoff rankings will be coming out after week nine. So you know that we'll be giving out our predictions. Aaron, appreciate you as always. For Aaron, I'm Drew. Follow us on social media at Aaron Murray 11 at Drew Butler13, and of course at Punt and Pass. We will talk to you on Monday. See you.